Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and I am joined as always on this Sunday evening by Will Murden. How's it going today, Will? Really good, buddy. This is it. This is it. This is the show, the season launch. We are getting ready for the season 2019. We've got a whole bunch of stuff to cover up, uh, cover off on today. We're going to be having a look at conference championships. We're going to be having a look at the awards races, bolds predictions, uh, we've also got some stuff around those teams that are trying to turn their season around after a bit of a flat one last year, or perhaps those teams that we see regressing after a quality season last year as well. We have a hell of a lot of content to get through, don't we? Exactly. And also some storylines that have teams flying under the radar a little bit. So if your team has not got the airtime that perhaps it deserves or that you think it deserves, then maybe tonight is your special night. And if and if not, just get into us. Really exactly. lay into us. Exactly. So if you are a Fresno State fan, sit tight. I don't know. I don't have anything on Fresno State. Yeah. But you might. I don't know. I most certainly do not. Okay. So maybe Fresno State fans, uh, maybe Google something else. But before we jump into... Everything else, we are going to have a quick look around the news and there was a big focus on the word the in our introduction and that is of course because Ohio State has decided that they want to try and trademark the word. Your thoughts on that, Will? I don't really have much time for that. I think that's kind of stupid. I liked Michigan's shot back at them. <laughs> that was real good, yeah. Their the big play. of. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, good stuff by Michigan. Though. That's where I'm at with that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care. It doesn't move the needle for me. Okay, just in terms of uh, us as a podcast and as a production, now a couple of big things have happened for us this week. Firstly, our first three-star review, which means, I mean, firstly, fuck that guy. But secondly, it also means that we're at a point where it's not just our mates reviewing us anymore. There's I don't know actual if it real. Out. <laughs> yeah, that's I've true. I've got some shit mates. <laughs> that is true. But you're right. I'm with you. It fe- I feel like people are listening to the show now that are beyond <laughs> the friendship circle, and we're getting some genuine reviews. I mean, you're right. That's not what we're after. We <laughs> we strive for excellence here. So disappointing, but we're we're getting out there. This is this is good. Things are happening. We are so. Please bring those three, four, or five star reviews if you are a random person that doesn't actually know us. Or get in touch. We don't really mind. And you can do that at Twitter or at Instagram at CFB Down Under. We're more than happy to take sledging. Uh, and on the sledging front, you've clearly got no idea who Max Duffy is. Yeah, a bit of a blunder this week <laughs> on the old social media front. I've been running a bit of a player profile series, so... Get along, follow the Instagram page, just trying to give a bit of love to all the boys over there. Whacked up this fucking slick photo of a punter at Kentucky coming out the tunnel, smoke in the background, looking badass. Thought, man, it got the number all over it. Sweet, chuck that up. It's a defensive lineman, isn't it? No, it was last year's punter. (laughs) (laughs) So, not great. Credibility out the window. So now you've just you're just lobbing up whoever you can find in a Kentucky jersey, really. I've got just... I've got to find who Max Duffy is. Is he even a real person? I hope so. I'm I'm, I'm partially blaming the Kentucky media department here. They should be getting photos of our boy up there. If it's this hard for me to find good gear of him, they've got to wear some of this. Okay, I'm trying no, to offload nothing, nothing like shifting the blame there, mate. Well done. Uh, And a couple of more serious notes. There has been a few injuries as training camp has uh, progressed. Rashad Weaver, who is a big, big defensive end at Pitt, 
uh, has torn his ACL. He's done for the year. Alabama loses Josh McMillan at linebacker and Trey Sanders, who is a, a true freshman this year, and he's a five-star running back from Florida. I don't know that Trey Sanders is going to... I mean, it's a big loss, obviously. It's not going to be the biggest loss. I think Josh McMillan is is a far bigger consequence for them at that linebacker position. Yeah, a couple of dents early. If there's anyone who's able to wear it, it'll be them. But it's it's not what you want to see this time of year. No, and it's not good for the players either, of course. No one wants to see uh, guys go down for the year. Next on the list, preseason rankings. So uh, preseason rankings have come out. I know that I don't put much stock in them if... At all, will you love reading into the preseason ranking stuff? What is your thought on where these teams line up? Uh, and I mean, no surprise at the top with Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, the four teams that made the playoff last year. Yeah, I like to run my numbers over it, so I, I do like to see how things stack up. And, I, and, and I you're often... up there with like S and P Plus and all those sorts exactly of other right. metrics. Exactly that exactly right. Yep, really good. credible source of information for those of you out there and. I honestly think I must be getting better at it because... Because <laughs> now you agree with the experts. Ex- exactly right. I'm falling in line. There's a lot of what I have kind of is uh, very similar to what's being put out there. So it's kind of boring from my side of things because I like thinking, oh, I've nailed the gem here or yeah, they're going to be no good. I often get it wrong. So I think I'm maturing as a uh, analyst here. Okay. So no issues with those teams in the top 25? Uh, no, not at this stage. There's literally no one who really jumps out at me. There's a few that I don't think will do as well, but I can understand why they're there and, and my biases probably come into it more than anything else. Okay. Uh, the only issue that I have with it, and, and feel free to jump in here at any point, but just with the fact that if you're not ranked in the preseason top 25, how hard it is to climb up through the ranks if you're one of those fringing teams to to become ranked and become relevant. Obviously, if you start just cleaning house in the SEC, if you're a Vanderbilt or a Missouri or whatever, and you just go and run the table, absolutely, you're going to jump up the rankings pretty quickly. But we've seen in the past how hard it is, if you don't start ranked, how hard it is to become relevant from a ranking perspective towards the back end of the season. I tend to disagree because I think if you've got an opportunity against a decent opponent, then you will often get lobbed up in there. So it's about that scheduling. So UCF often you know, started unranked and they struggled to get in there even though they weren't losing... Uh, a game, but they never had a good win. They didn't have a top 10 win uh, at, at any time. So if you're able to do that, even if you're outside the 25, if you knock that top 10 win off, you might not jump that team, but you're very, at the very least going to vault in. And then from that point, you can start to build some momentum. Yeah, I guess probably the argument comes around that fourth team often. And, and if a team is already fourth, how hard it is? How much better do you have to be to actually go above them, particularly when it comes for playoff spots? So that has been a little bit of controversy or controversy around the rankings and and that will be an ongoing battle. But generally speaking, we feel like we've got the top teams in the top 25. So that's a a good start for them. Yeah. Lastly, uh, on an an actual bit of news, probably not that it really is either, but Dabo Swinney came out after being questioned around the SEC grind and the fact that Alabama were exhausted from their particularly difficult schedule, uh, and that was the reason, or fatigue was the reason for their that Alabama's poor performance in the national championship game. And Dabo Sweeney has come out and said that he com- vehemently disagrees that the S- whilst the SEC is tough, it is not anything that 
other conferences don't have to put up with and it shouldn't diminish or devalue the victory that Clemson had. Yeah, I'm 100% in a grants there. I mean, what, Tua didn't get out of the second half, (laughs) halfway through the year. So you're talking six games or something. Don't give me fatigue bullshit. Yes, you have a lot of hard games, but this game is, it's supposed to be hard. You're winning a national championship out of 130 schools. It's not an easy thing to achieve. So I 100% agree with him. I, I don't, you know, want to take away from that effort at all because their win was nothing short of astounding how well they obviously prepped and, and got themselves into that spot. Okay, cool. So that takes us through the little bits and pieces that are making the rounds at the moment. And obviously we, well, this time next week, of course, we will be, I will be crying probably, but maybe celebrating a win after the week zero game. So we are now under a week away. So really, really looking forward to that. Anyway, the awards race. So there are a whole bunch of awards, uh, a whole bunch of awards that go out to various positions or all positions in college football. Uh, Will is usually all over it. The most prestigious of those is the Heisman Trophy that is awarded to the best player in collegiate football. However, you want to define that. Traditionally, goes to quarterbacks or running backs, but more so recently the quarterback position. Uh, and it appears to be set that same way again this year with quite a lot of high-profile quarterbacks set to to have a big year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much so that I'm not even covering the Davey O'Brien in, in this segment because I'd be doubling up on the Heisman. It is just purely the best quarterback, and sometimes it's not even the best quarterback. It is the quarterback of the best team. So, I mean, that, that just seems to be the way it's going. Football is by definition, kind of always driven towards the quarterback at at all levels. Your team can only go as far as your quarterback can take it. So more so than in in any sport, that position is more important. I understand that. But there's, there's for it to be the best player just doesn't seem right for it to come from that same position every year. Yeah. I, I mean, where do you see the Heisman Award going? Who are the favorites? Who do you think is, is the guy out in front? And I'm going to have my bit on this in a second because I've actually done a fair bit of research on the Heisman just recently. So okay. I'll take you back through that. But where do you think the, the player is going to come from that is going to win the Heisman Trophy? So for mine, it's, it's really off of exactly what I just said. It's going to be either Tua or Trevor Lawrence. The quarterbacks from the two best teams, uh, Alabama and Clemson, I think it's those two that stand head and shoulders above the rest. I, I like Trevor Lawrence. I, I think he's the better football player, uh, but wouldn't be surprised if it was either of them. Uh, I would be shocked if both of those guys play or either of those guys play every game this year and one of them doesn't win it. Okay. I so think that's all it'll take. Who is the favourite this year, do you know, with the, with the bookmakers, the uh, people uh, in Vegas? I think they're about the same, to be honest, those two. Uh, Trevor Lawrence maybe a tiny little bit ahead. Yeah. And do you know the last time that a favorite, a preseason favorite for the Heisman won the Heisman? Uh, to be going back some, you often scrutinized a fair bit. Uh, I know maybe what, Tim Tebow, the year he won it? Uh, negative Ghost Rider. Year, no. no. There has actually only ever occurred once in history, and that is for the person that won the Heisman twice, of which there has only been one person. I can't actually think of his name. Uh, but, um, yeah, 
preseason favourites just don't win it. So Bryce Love was the favourite last year and Kyler Murray won it. Sam Darnold the year before when Baker Mayfield won it. Deshaun Watson, Christian McCaffrey in 2016. Lamar Jackson won that one. So it just, the odds on favourite to win the Heisman at the start of the season is likely to not win it. In fact, all the research says that that is not the case. So I would be very, very cautious if you're thinking about throwing some cash at it I'd be steering away from Trevor Lawrence if it was me. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is not like anyone we've seen before, though. Uh, he, he's he's Andrew Luck. He's, you know, those same guys that come around once every kind of four or five years or six years. I know they're saying Trevor Lawrence is the next stage ahead of that and all that kind of stuff. But there'll be someone in five years' time uh, that they'll say is the best quarterback it, to ever come out. It's so. that overused generational talent phrase. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Generational talent means that it's, you know... His parents had sex within a period of about... 30 or 40 years. So. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't sound right. But I guess there are a few other names uh, that kind of fit the bill in terms of quarterbacks on good teams. So Jake Fromm at Georgia, uh, Fields out of OSU, uh, Jalen Hurts, Sam Ellinger. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, Shea Patterson, Nick Martinez even. Adrian at, Martinez? Uh, yeah, sorry, Adrian Martinez. Is Nick Martinez the former quarterback at... Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he I was know, there right? for like a million years. Yeah. yeah sorry. So it's just another one. He's, he's clone. So yeah. any of those guys, if their teams make deep runs and they have somewhat successful years, could definitely be in the conversation. So that that's where I think it's coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely a quarterback. Is there, like, I mean, there's probably two running backs that start that could make a run. Jonathan Taylor... Uh, at Wisconsin, Wisconsin and Travis Etienne at Clemson potentially would be the only two from a running back perspective. But you have to be able to, and this is the key thing I think with Heisman voting, it's the same with anything. If you perform, if Travis Etienne, who had a fantastic year last year, if he goes and performs at the same level, it's not going to be as, or seen as, as such a great performance because we know he's already done it. You've actually got to go above and beyond what you have done in years previous. And again, the stats show that players just don't do that that much. It's hard to take that leap two years consecutively. Yeah, I think the other one that fits that bill is DeAndre Swift. I think because he's shared the backfield a bit, he he probably is in a good position where his numbers are going to be better than last year. Uh, He's going to be the main guy at Georgia. They're going to be a good football team. So he's another one that I would throw in the mix from the running back category. Okay, that takes us through the Heisman. Talk us through any other awards that you have got. Okay, there. so I I'll, I'll, won't hit on all of them, but I'll hit on the main ones anyways. Uh, we'll jump over to the Doak Walker. So this is awarded for the best running back yep. at, at the college level. Yep. Uh, and then the names that you've mentioned, essentially. Etienne at Clemson, absolute stud. Uh, Eno Benjamin at Arizona State, yep. had a big year last year. We'll double up. JJ Taylor at Arizona. Uh, if Florida State are to come back to relevance and, and have a good year, I think Cam, Cam Akers, Akers will be huge in that thing. So yeah. if that were to happen, he could do it. Chubba Hubbard at, uh, at uh, Oklahoma State. Good name for it. Certainly is going to have an opportunity to put up crazy numbers. DeAndre Swift, who I mentioned, he's going to be cashing checks on Sundays. This year is his chance to make a statement and show that he's the number one pro prospect. But, I mean... I feel like it is all geared up for Jonathan Taylor. He's going to have the most opportunity. Their their offense is going to run through him. He had the numbers last year. I feel like this is his award to win outside of him getting hurt. And I'd be surprised if anyone can track him down. 
Yeah, fair enough. I can't disagree with anything on that. I think Eno Benjamin's going to be an interesting one to watch because of the loss of Manny Wilkins and Kill Harry at wide receiver. So all of a sudden, their offense is going to be really reliant on Eno Benjamin to, to produce on the ground. And they're also blooding a, a freshman quarterback as well. So Eno Benjamin could be one to keep an eye on there. But like you said, I think Jonathan Taylor is probably the guy. And he put, over, put up over 2,000 yards last year as well. So... He looks like he's in good shape. Take us through. I know you want to talk about the Remington Award. Let's go <laughs> Not Blitnikoff. the Remington? Not the Remington <laughs> no, Award? No, not so interested in that one. We'll go Blitnikoff. Yep. So whilst we have like a, a pretty elite running back class, I think it's been outdone by the wide receivers that we have this year. This is as good as I've ever seen at the college level, I think, with the returning talent that we've got. And that's just the players from Clemson and Alabama alone. I mean, you look at T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, and Henry Ruggs. They're all legit studs in their own right. So that's incredible that they're going to be sharing the field, but I think they're going to kind of pilfer off of each other a little bit. So that that's going to make it hard for them to have those eye-popping numbers. I know Judy had them last year, and he's going to get an opportunity to do it again, but there are some other really, really good players out there. Uh, LaVisca Chanel Jr., Colorado. He's a, he's a, he's a favorite of the show. I feel like Absolutely. we might make a run for LaVisca for the Belitnikov. That's a lot of vows, I don't know, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be able to fit that in my graphic art <laughs> yeah, exactly. for the Insta page. Uh, Tylan Wallace at Oklahoma State yep. had huge numbers last year. CeeDee Lamb at OU. Yep. Uh, then there's the human highlight reel, who's getting a whole heap of media attention at the moment in Rondale Moore, yeah, your boy. Weapon. Yeah, I Purdue. like him. And a uh, personal favorite of mine, Jalen Rager from TCU. Yeah, I still want to see more out of Jalen Rager. I think Colin Johnson's probably another name that we see a lot of potential in. Uh, but can he take it to the next level? And yeah, if he's he huge. can, he is a huge. legit number one. Is there anything out of Donovan Peoples Jones or uh, Nico Collins at Michigan? You know, I mean, some other- certainly. There's definitely opportunity from these guys, but it's just such a. a, a Tamarian Terry at Florida State is getting a lot of buzz as well. There's so many. We could honestly see you know upwards of six wide receivers drafted in the first round this year, which I don't know when that last would have happened. The NFL. I don't know the NFL draft that. I remember Calvin Johnson going number four overall, but wide receivers have gone lower and lower generally. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I think we'll see that is going to be different this year because we have some real special talent. So yeah, and it seems like running back is possibly a little bit thin. Uh, okay, so next award, the, the Mackey, Mackay, Mackay. You don't know. I don't. It's a tight end award, though. It is. Thank you. So uh, there's three players I'd like to highlight here. Big uh, O, Big O. There is Albert O. How do you say his last name? I Will don't I? know. <laughs> do you want to have a crack? Nah. I, I'm looking at him in There's front of me. There's a W and a K. There's a K and a W and a G and a B and an N and an M. So <laughs> there's a lot happening there, but Big Albert O at yeah. Missouri is yeah. uh, certainly a shot. He, he looks like he's a specimen, physical freak. There's Jared Pinkney at Vanderbilt. Yeah. He, he's another one to keep an eye on. I think they're going to run a lot of the ball through him. And then Stanford, Kobe Parkin- Colby Parkinson. Stanford tight ends are yeah. elite tight ends. And he's also got some ability on the outside as well. And, and they will probably mix it up with him a little bit. And they'll flex him out at times and just throw him jump balls because their offense runs similar to a basketball system. Certainly, so. yeah. They, they lost Arthaga Whiteside last they, year. And yep. he's going to feel that jump ball need, I think, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that he was in last year. Okay, moving on. We'll go to the Thorpe Award. 
which is awarded for the best defensive back. back. Yeah. So this is really headlined by Grant Delpit at LSU. He, he's a superstar coming back and his numbers last year were just eye-popping at 74 tackles, nine and a half tackles for a loss, five sacks, nine passes broken up and five picks. That's decent across a college career <laughs> and he had that last year so yeah he is certainly uh, a weapon there the other ones that you'll look at uh xavier mckinney at alabama yeah uh bryce hall at virginia is, yeah. is a really good uh corner uh caden stearns at texas and cj henderson at florida yeah, I mean, I've watched a bit of tape on CJ Henderson, obviously following the Florida boys a little bit more, and, and he has got some really, really good range. Uh, Grant Delpit is the guy, I think. Like, he is just all over the field. Uh, I don't know what's a good comparison to Eric Reed, maybe type. He sees the game really well, but he's a bit nosier probably than Eric Reed likes getting in the box and, and mixing it up a little bit. Yeah, but so Jamal Adams. Adams. Yeah, he's probably a better shout. Just another LSU Correct, safety yeah. as well. D- so. DB, DBU, I think they've quickly become. Yeah, for sure. Head and shoulders above the rest. So it's going to be fun watching him play. Uh, I definitely recommend it for the casual fan out there. Get some LSU in you because they have some. They have a mean defensive backfield. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move along to the Butkus. Best defensive linebacker. Player? Best linebacker. Okay, Dick Butkus. Yeah, very famous NFL linebacker. So we've obviously lost some superstars to the NFL in the likes of the Devons. Both yeah, Devin uh, Bush, Devin. Bush and White, yes. Yep. Uh, so who's going to be emerge this year as, as the stud to come out? There's uh, Oregon's Troy Dyer. Yeah, he's just been a tackling machine. Like, Absolutely. He just clogs the middle, especially against the run. Very, very stout and looks the part as well. Like very... Uh, Probably a little bit on the, not on the tall side, but middle linebackers can get away for, with being a little bit short, a little bit stockier, but he certainly has got the range as yeah, well. Yeah, he's, he's a big unit. He's going to hit his tackles. He's going to get yeah. the numbers. So he, he'll certainly be in the conversation. Uh, Alabama have a fearsome duo in Dylan Moses and Anthony Jennings. The two of them are, are both going to just wreak havoc uh, all across the field. Clemson have their own in Isaiah Simmons. He's one of the few returning players that they have on that defense, but his numbers are going to be impressive for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Big Ten also have a few that I really like the look of. So Paddy Fisher at yeah. Northwestern. Yeah. He, he's gonna he's set for a really big year. Paddy Double D Fisher as well, isn't he? Isn't he Paddy, not Patty. He is. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he's Irish, part Irish or something, I guess. Uh, I there's know. Joe Batchy. Bashy. Yeah. Not sure how that one's pronounced. Yeah, you, you keep help me going out. with that. You keep going with that. You're, uh, you're on he, a roll. Here. He's at Michigan State. Uh, and then there's the athletic phenom in Micah Parsons from Penn State. Yeah, so he started off as a defensive end and then got moved to linebacker last year and still managed to lead the team in tackles. So. Absolutely. He was a freshman last year, so Correct, he's going into yeah. a soft, sophomore year, but he has all the tools to be a, a freak, so he could surprise a few. Yeah, for sure. I'm just waiting for the Ray guy. Hit me when you want to go, Ray guy. Uh, we've got a few to get through first. So we've got the Outland Award. That's so, a lineman award. Yeah, exactly right. Best interior lineman in college football. That is a that is a. I, I mean, I guess interior linemen aren't getting a lot of love, are they? Yeah, like, and I like that this one covers off both defensive oh. and offensive. Yeah. So I mean, there's, there's a few names here: Derek Brown, at Auburn, big defensive tackle. Yeah. He is probably going to be a top ten draft pick and could certainly uh, really set up Auburn from the center of their defense there. So I expect big things out of them. There's uh, Tyler Byadaz. Byadaz? Keep no? going. 
He's at Wisconsin. He's uh, the leader of their offensive line. He's going to be the man who's clearing the way for Jonathan Taylor. So you know that when he goes for 2,500 yards, it's going to be up his ass. Yeah, and there's going to be some corn-fed boys in front of him that know how to move people correct, around. Correct, correct. Uh, no list of tackles would be complete without a Stanford tackle and Walker Little this <laughs> yeah, year yeah, yeah. is the man. So he's been the, he was the first Stanford true freshman to start at left tackle since 2000 which is pretty impressive, and he's now a junior, so I think he uh, has a bright future ahead of him at, uh, at the NFL. Last one, Andrew Thomas at Georgia is another tackle, third-year starter, second-team All-American. He, he really could uh, could show a bit this year. Uh, the Nagurski, you know Ooh, what this one is? Uh, it's an award. Yes. It is an award. Best defensive player. Okay, yeah. So we've, we've kind of covered off on Grant Delpit. I think he's certainly a shot for this one. So just, yep, sorry, just to interrupt there, a bit of history for our listeners. I think Bronco Nagurski was a linebacker slash running back or linebacker slash fullback back in the day, played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and one of the old two-way players that used to occur in the NFL, but certainly a bit of a monster at linebacker. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, Grant Delpit, as I was saying, would is definitely in the running here. Uh, AJ Epinesa. He's the defensive end at Iowa. Well done. Yeah, yeah. spot on. So yeah, he's, he's a pass rushing freak. That is correct. He, he's going to put up numbers this year and he'd be in the running for that. The other one's yeah, Chase, sure. Chase Young at Ohio State. State. Yeah, and he's shown his athletic testing would be off the charts. He is an absolute freak. You see him running with the athleticism of a, a secondary player. Uh, it almost looks like he'd go and cover a wide receiver if yeah. he wanted to. He's, he's going to be that guy at the combine at the end of this year yeah, that really yeah. just blows it out and people will be like, wow, yeah. he's, <laughs> he's a rare breed. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to throw in one that probably doesn't deserve a spot Oklahoma here. State. He's not an Oklahoma State boy, but Kaliki Hudson at Michigan. Yeah, he's a bit of a do-it-all kind of... He'll play that Viper position, which uh, they kind of move around the field, try and get in the back. I, he, he, had a, he had a really big uh, freshman year. Yeah, he put up great numbers, and then last year was somewhat disappointing. He you- he got ejected from two games early in the year, and I think that really kind of messed with his confidence <laughs> a bit. But I'm expecting big things, and I could see some huge numbers. And yeah, that that he's my smoky for it. Do you know? Just a little bit of a again tangents. I shouldn't go off on him too much, but the old viper position, or the striker position, or the cowboy position, or the star position, or whatever they want to call it. Those positions have been in football for a long time. Like as a viper, he is an in-the-box safety. That's what he is. Yeah, he might blitz the quarterback a little bit, and he'll drop into coverage. He's a he's that oh, like hybrid linebacker safety. So he's an in-the-box safety. But we give him all these funky names now, as if they're like these special new positions. But it's not new anyway I know when you're putting your playbook together for the junior gridiron league here yeah. you've got some funky positions in here so I don't want to hear that yeah the cowboy I've got yeah, the cowboy there we go <laughs> knew it yeah alright uh, the Groza award is that a uh, kicking award well done yeah. yes yeah so obviously uh, Groza I think the player was yeah White Lightning I think uh, Rodrigo Blankenship uh is he in Alabama? No, he's the Georgia. Oh, Georgia with, with the glasses. With the glasses, yeah, yeah. boss. So he made 14 straight field goals uh, down the stretch last year. Has a career long of 55. He's probably the most well-known because of those nerdy-ass glasses that he yeah, wears. Yeah. Uh, there's Cooper Roth at Wyoming. 
He has been a star out there. He went 16 of 17 last year and nailed... He might be their best player this year. 28 so. of 28 extra points. And then there's uh, Andre Simit. Sismet. Good. Good. He doesn't have a vowel in his last name. <laughs> Fuck me. He won the award last year uh, out of Syracuse. So he's first team All-American. He's good... Good what about Michael? Was it Michael Dicker? No, Michael Dixon. Who was the Texas kicker? Dicker uh, the kicker. Dicker the kicker. Dicker the kicker. Yeah, He'll yeah, be yeah. good, won't he? Oh, he's got a great holder for him, so <laughs> yeah, well, that's certainly. True. All right, let's move it along. Let's go Ray Guy. Okay, that's Ra- what the people want to hear. Exactly. And Ray Guy, I'm going to pretty much leave this to the Australians only. So the Australian boys on the list, Stephen Coots at Cow, Adam Corsack, Aaron Sipos at Auburn, Cody Grace at Arkansas State, James Smith is at Cincinnati, Oscar Bradburn at Virginia Tech, Ryan Buchevsky, or the aforementioned Ryan Buchevsky at Texas, and of course, last year's winner, Braden Mann, who set all kinds of records last year. Not Australian. Uh, he is not Australian, obviously, or maybe not, obviously, but now you know. And he will be looking to double down on that award, and it appears that it is his for the taking. But hopefully, the Aussie guys can have a good run. Yeah, is there one that you're backing in for us? Uh, I would... Max Duffy. Oh, I've missed Max Duffy. <laughs> we don't know who he is. I left him off my list. I don't Come know who on. he is. He is an enigma. He we is. Do... Absolutely. I think. I mean, obviously, he would like to have a good season. I think the. God. I mean, there's there's a couple of new guys. These were these were of course uh, Ray guy watch list. I don't know that Max Duffy was on the watch list, was he? So um, perhaps not. So obviously we've got a whole bunch of other kickers as well. But these guys are on the preseason watch list. I think we should get some good stuff out of the former Richmond players that have turned their talents to punting as well. We'll be keeping a close eye on all the Australians as the season progresses in the world of punting uh, as we try and make more of a name for ourselves and establish even more players in the college game. And it is certainly an avenue for lots of young, big-legged individuals, big left or right leg, not middle leg uh, individuals that can go and have a future in college football and potentially the NFL. I'm glad you chuckled at that one because I wasn't giving it anything. I know you weren't. That was garbage. Uh, I like the Dyer boys. Tyson Dyer, Davin Dyer, I think they're going to put up good numbers, put them in the conversation for it. Uh, The other one's James Smith, Cincinnati. You are banging the drum for Cincinnati. I've never seen you so rock hard over a Cincinnati Bearcat. Well, you should have seen me watching the Hawks game this afternoon. (laughs) Good old Ruffy, seeing him off. So, yeah, I mean, he had the best numbers last year at a yards average uh, rate, and I think he's the man to track down Braden Mann man and i think he uh is gonna get hope done. your shit jokes continue as well you're going really really well here will no nah, that was all right <laughs> okay all right that takes us through all the award preseason watch lists and and sort of all the guys that will be making noise at various positions no doubt a lot of those guys will be from an awards perspective irrelevant at the end of the year and a whole bunch of new names will get floated as the season progresses. That's part of the fun of it, isn't it? It is, exactly. So we'll keep a, a close eye on all those things and, and hopefully uh, a good season. We wish all our Australian boys a good season on the punting front. Oh, we are moving through extremely rapidly, which is good. Uh, let's have a quick chat about those news items, those teams, those 
groups or individuals that are perhaps flying under the radar just a fraction. Okay. So I am going to put a little bit of a caveat on this section. You are not allowed to talk about Clemson or any player from Clemson. In fact, any coach or player from Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Michigan, Texas, Miami, Oklahoma... Did I say Oklahoma State? No, Oklahoma State and Oregon. I can't talk about any of those teams. You cannot talk about any of those teams. I wasn't really listening to you then, but I get the gist of it. Yeah, okay. So anyone that we have noted a lot or spoken about a lot recently, this is a time for some of those other teams to get their bit of airtime and uh, we'll keep a few of the other fans happy and, and hopefully enlighten our viewers about what's happening or how the other half live, potentially. Okay, where are we going with this? What do we want to talk about? Well, it's up to you. Uh, where do you want to start? Do you want me to kick things off? Uh, I'll throw out something. Uh, so I'm not going to mention one of these teams, but from the group <laughs> of five, is, is there any team that you think can run it that's probably maybe coming out of left field? A, a, a team that is not one that has been up there recently from the group of five that you think will make a charge and possibly play in a group of six bowl? From the group... The group of five, yes. From the group of five play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Yes. Well, I know, I know you're keen on Cincinnati. We're allowed I to am. say Cincinnati. I know you're keen on Cincinnati. I don't think... I mean, the one big one for me, and I don't think it's going to happen this year, but with Dana Holgerson going across to Houston, uh, I think that there is an opportunity there for Houston to become... I mean, they've been really, really good the last five or six years consistently. And the opportunity is there with a really well-proven offensive mind in a rich recruiting area as well in the state of Texas to go on and have a very successful career with the Cougs. And I see them becoming a real threat. Maybe not this year, but certainly into the future. I don't think this year, I think it's going to take a bit of time. I think you're on the right track. Certainly they're they're going to be a force moving forward and, and Dana's a good coach. But I don't think it's going to happen immediately for them. I think it is a team in the American. I think it's Memphis. Memphis, so we're yeah. going back to Memphis. Can yeah, you, is that a song? I don't know. I I don't know if it is. Sing it for us. No, please. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that, that they're one that we haven't mentioned much. I don't think we haven't. Uh, no. But they really have. Looking at their schedule, a good opportunity to potentially run the table this year. Okay, there you go. So how high do you reckon they can push then? Is that a top 10 finish for the Tigers? Certainly, if, if they do, because they would have wins over a very, very, very good Cincinnati team and UCF. <laughs> so for me, they, w- they would certainly, if they do run the table, be uh, probably pushing into a New Year's Six Bowl and definitely finish well, okay. the year ranked in the top 10. There we go. All right. Uh, I'm going to change tack a little bit. This is a pretty big program they're in the SEC uh, and that we've spoken about them a little bit but I think Auburn this year is going to be the battle of Bo Nix uh, Gus Malzahn and the board and the boosters and so there is a bit going on here but the Tigers went 3-5 and five in conference last year and you know all of a sudden the Plains people were the Flatfoots were all about you know can we get rid of Gus Malzahn can we afford him or affords that huge buyout that he's got. But they've got Bo Nix in, and Bo Nix is a fantastic, fantastic recruit. He is a big-time weapon for them in the future. But can he, as a true freshman, take over that starting quarterback position, and can he have a massive impact to you know, turn the tide on, on the Tigers and Auburn? And now, they had Jarrett Stidham last year, who's gone on, and he's good enough for um, Bill Belichick at 
the Patriots, but he wasn't good enough to get Auburn going. So hopefully Bo Nix is the guy. He's a supremely talented number one quarterback recruit, dual threat guy. And hopefully, you know, I think that it's going to be that balance. Does Bo Nix buy Gus Malzahn enough time to save his career there at the Tigers? Or do they completely go off a cliff? Now, I think uh, that, you know, I could I could see a 9-3 and three season if Bo Nix gets going. If he takes off, I could see Auburn getting to 9-3. and three. But the reports are out of camp that he's actually really, really struggled. So it might be a complete disaster for them. But I think I see it either way. I either see like a 9-3 and three season or a complete bottoming out and Gus is gone. Yeah, I mean, they're starting ranked 16, which feels about right. They are the hardest team for me to get a handle on. In all of college football, I think that we have the biggest spectrum of what we can expect. They are a team that literally could win the national championship if it all <laughs> falls into place. And they could also fire their head coach and finish the season with four wins this year. Like yeah. Both are realistic scenarios in my mind. They have a hell of a lot of talent. They have a pretty brutal schedule. I mean, taking on Oregon week one is is going to be a, a hell of a matchup. They go, have to go at uh, A&M, at yeah. Florida, at LSU. I mean... At Arkansas, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't see it as... Uh, it is brutal and we say it's brutal, but... I don't know that... I, I question whether Florida's going to be that good. I question whether Arkansas is going to be that good. If Auburn's defense can get going, I still don't rate Joe Burrows and that LSU offense. I'm not... That's never an easy win at Tiger Stadium. That's... that's you know, you're probably pensing in as a loss. But Ole Miss is... You know, should be beatable. You've then got Georgia and then Alabama in the Iron Bowl to finish. So it's definitely not easy. I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape or form. But if Auburn are going to be taken seriously and, you know, you've got to make that number one recruit work, he just has to be a good quarterback. Yeah, and, precisely. And and hopefully that's the case for the Tigers. Yeah, no, and that's why I say it's it's kind of all over the shop with what it could be because... They do have a tough schedule, but if it all clicks for them, they're all games that they could win exactly. and, and yeah, they yeah. could drop one of them and still make it into the, the top four where they could also be on the wrong side of all of those ones and it, yeah. could, it could quickly spiral out of control. Yep. Okay, where do you want to head to next in terms of stories that we don't hear much about? Uh, no, I'll defer to you, mate. Okay, so I've got a couple that I'd still like to get to. I think Utah is someone that we just don't spend enough time on uh, they uh, and Kyle Whittingham has turned them into one of the most unquestioned defenses in the Pac-12, despite you know losses to his playing group year in year out. He gets the benefit of the doubt. They continue to come out really, really solid, uh, and I expect another big year for them. Yeah, what's he been there? Sixteen years now, or something? Uh, not quite that long, I don't think. But it's not far off. I could be wrong about that. But yeah, he has been there a long, long time. I feel like this is the year that he starts to get that recognition he probably deserves. Absolutely, and and there's a massive opportunity for him. You, you know, you return Tyler Huntley, you return Zach Moss from injury, uh, and then all of, not only that but you've got a, a situation where there is a, a lack of talent in that in that southern division of the Pac-12 Utah is set up perfectly to just take control take command and completely dominate that they look to be projected favorites in about 11 of their games this year the only one that would concern me probably is their game at Washington they do have to travel to USC but I think they're better than USC and they've given the Trojans fits in recent times. 
So with a return of that, and on top of that, you get Andy Ludwig coming back across to Whittingham's offense from Vanderbilt, and he turned Vanderbilt's offense into something to be really respected with uh, Kyle Shermer and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn there at, at running back. So all of a sudden, I think that probably the biggest issue for them last year was the fact that they lacked explosion on offense. And I think you've got an opportunity to do that through a bit of personnel returning, certainly a new offensive coordinator. I think you know their defense is going to remain really, really stout. But I'm looking for the Utes to have a massive, massive year. And there's no reason that Washington game comes so late in the year that there's no reason that they can't be undefeated and talking playoffs well into you know December. Yeah, absolutely. They they are primed for a big run this year. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I, I really like their chances. Uh, their their schedule, as you said, really opens up for them. So they are certainly going to be in the mix in the Pac-12. It's just whether they there's going to be enough credibility in the conference because I don't think they're a team that can drop a game and then still make it into the championship. No, probably not. Unfortunately, that's the nature of being a Pac-12 team. At the uh, moment. So, yeah. The other couple of things that, and I'll hit on two more here, but I think the Big Ten West might be the most interesting division in football this year. Uh, Wisconsin looked to be really good again, again with Jonathan Taylor. We've mentioned him a couple of times. Alex Hornibrook is gone for the Badgers, uh, but Graham Mertz appears to make his way into town. I don't know if Jack Cohn might be the other guy who could take over the quarterback position, but the defense is set for them to go pretty well uh, this year. Nebraska is already collecting votes early, and they sort of rank 26 in the preseason polls with Scott Frost, Adrian Martinez, we've mentioned before as uh, you know, kind of potentially the hottest head coach quarterback duo and since maybe Lincoln Riley and his quarterbacks in the last couple of years. So you've then got Northwestern. They get Hunter Johnson in. They've got Isaiah Bowser that returns. So they look to be really, really good. Uh, and they do have a tough schedule, but I think they can you know go really, really well. Purdue and Minnesota are looking to consolidate good seasons last year. Whether that will be the case, I don't know. Uh, but it looks like a division that all of a sudden has a bit of an offensive kick to it and will provide some really, really interesting games and and no doubt some upsets as well. So to me, that appears to be a really wide open and and certainly a very interesting division. No, give me the ACC Coastal, baby. Oh, if you want open, then yeah, I'm sure we'll hit them a little bit later. Exactly right. I want to see Virginia Tech take that. I want to see Miami flame out. That's where the real storylines are at. That's Uh, that's where I'm going to be dialed into. Big 10 West versus ACC Coastal. The last one I did want to talk about uh, is the NCA, the NC2A, people could say that, don't they? NCAA, NCAA. No one says NC2A. Uh, some people do, all right? Uh, and the potential changes to player likenesses. And the NCAA has considered and is continuing to go through that process of considering how they approach and how they undergo this transition into a world where players may be able to make money or different products will be able to use the likenesses of players uh, and that can become a financial selling point for these players. They can make money from it. Sounds like real government bureaucracy here. We're considering about thinking of forming a committee to make a decision as to if we can proceed or not. Oh, exactly right. I know it well and it's disgusting. Now, as a government employee, I think our government does a fantastic job. (laughs) 
Hey, you're cashing that check. So, <laughs> and thank you, taxpayers. Um, I, I fully understand where you're coming from, but it is frustrating. As, as a fan of the game, I want NCAA back. I want these kids getting paid. Do what it like. It, it seems it just makes sense. Go the Olympic model. Talk us through this Olympic model. What is this Olympic model? I, I don't know. About I, it. I read it, and <laughs> people keep saying this Olympic model. And what whatever is that? it is, individual apply it. individual players get you still, financial. So you, yeah, so you still retain your uh, amateur or amateur status. Status. Yeah, uh, but you're entitled to professional representation, I believe, and I don't know the the T's and C's mm-hmm. on it, but there's something in place that allows this to progress. Just get on that. Plagiarize. It's easy. <laughs> I hear what you're saying and it's certainly good for a, for an EA sports game. I would be concerned. This would be my biggest concern. I think it's the NCAA's biggest concern as well is the impact that this is going to have on recruiting. So as a team recruiting, you aren't going to have to have... Agents are going to be dealing with high school kids. You are giving more power to kids, more power to agents in a world where they've already got too much power. Not only that, but you're going to be in a situation where schools are going to be recruiting and they're going to be offering packages to... There's going to be a financial incentive for you to sign with that yeah, school. But, no, but you can try and crack down. And it's the same argument. Try and crack down like that. Like, but, like, that, like they've tried exactly and cracked right. down. It's happening now. So to say that it can't happen is like that it won't happen or will happen if we change the rules doesn't really hold water because it is happening now. So it's the same argument you have with trying to legalize marijuana let's try and govern it so that you can put some processes in place to try when you're legalizing it so that you know there isn't that this whole shady world that you try and bring it above board and get some transparency into the transactions that are occurring yeah and i hear that and that's a and that's a sound argument as well i would just have questions around uh there's already this shadiness around uh, hand what handlers these people that deal with these you know four and five star recruits and work to get them financial backing and then they would take a bit of a cut of that as well if this goes on I'm not saying this does or this does not go on but hypothetically if these handlers were to operate in that fashion and you are simply going to allow that and promote that and I would be concerned like again what are we teaching the kids that they hold ultimate power and that they have got access to potentially millions of dollars anyway that is another conversation that we will be keeping on as the season progresses we are continuing on on season launch and starting to get a little bit heated in here a little bit passionate which is good I'm I'm sure this will continue as we head into turning things around so another segment where you want to have a look, William, at the teams that are either transi- going to transition from having a particularly bad year in 2018 and are looking to rectify that situation, turn things around and perhaps go from a non-bowl outing to a, a, a bowl game or you know, if you're one of those powerhouses that went to the uh, Midwest Key and Taco Bowl that you can get up to a New Year's Six Bowl. And of course, the opposite of that, what's a team that or name a team that went really, really well last year that is look perhaps in danger of taking a slide. Yeah, so I've, I've had a bit of a look over all of last year's results uh, and how All teams, of them? Absolutely, all of the, the results and how they played out. And I'm trying to pinpoint the teams that are going to regress the most. So those that had double-digit, at least a double-digit win total last year 
and I don't expect to go bowling this year. Now, is this uh, from your spreadsheet that you've got running there? Is this Will's numbers that you've run? I, I'm just looking at the numbers. These, <laughs> these are all real results that occurred. Okay. No simulations in play just yet. Okay. But this is based off of last year, who had double-digit wins, and I don't expect to go bowling. Yep. And who did not go bowling, that could potentially surprise and have double-digit wins. Yep. So. Prime uh, bounce-back candidates for me. Uh, FSU are, are certainly uh, a prime candidate, but I just don't have faith in them. Okay. Uh, Nebraska is one that everyone seems to be getting around, but, you know, I'm, I'm not sold. Okay. Uh, Tennessee look to be a, a good team in the SEC that could definitely bounce back. I know we're both big on Jarrett Guarantano. Yeah. He, he could have a big year, so they're you, one... You got but, that Spanish name out okay that time there. Thank you very much. You, yeah, you And I, I think the Pac-12 have a couple like in USC, UCLA, and Arizona. I think they could all improve significantly. Okay. You've left one out there that I think could improve even further as well, but yes. Okay. But for mine, I'm going group of five on this. I think it's oh. FAU. FAU. Florida Atlantic. Lane Kiffin. Absolutely. So they are a team that jumps out to me. They went... Uh, one in four in one possession games last year. So there's an easy opportunity to flip the script on that, really turn things around. Uh, they had a transfer quarterback in from Oklahoma and Chris Robertson, who was a freshman last year or red, redshirt freshman. He's another year in. I think he's going to take a big step. Uh, they did lose both of their productive running backs to the NFL, Devin Singletary and Kareth White. But they have brought in a transfer from Alabama in B.J. Emmons. Yes, they so have. So you know he's probably a four or five star. Yeah. Uh, and then they have Malcolm Davidson on uh, at the moment as well, who was a, a highly recruited kid for them. So, I mean, they start the season off at Ohio State. That's tough. And then they've got <laughs> UCF. Ooh, not great. But after that, I think they are going to win every game that they play, and that'll get them double digits. Double-digit wins for the Owls. Yes, that's where I'm at. Okay, interesting. Uh, I think the team that turns it around, a couple of honourable mentions, I think, I, I know that this team went bowling last year, but TCU, I think they turn it around and have a good year. Cow is one that I could see just if they can squeeze something out of their offence, just anything, uh, then they will be okay. And Virginia Tech is the other one. Yes, I know they scratched their way to a bowl game last year, but they look to be a team that will push up higher Agreed. as well. Agreed. I know you do. You're bloody sucking off Justin Fuente. Anyway, but the team for me that just has to be without question is Florida State. They went 5-7 and seven last year uh, and their wins were against Samford, Northern Illinois, Louisville just in a game that they should have lost where Puma Pass throws an interception uh, with like a minute to go and they had the ball. Anyway, that was gross. Wake Forest and BC by a point. They then had blowout losses to Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Clemson, NC State, Notre Dame, and Florida. And in fact, their last four games, they were conceding 47 points. Uh, that is not a good recipe. How Aren't you really supposed to be selling us on why they can turn it around? Because there's no way they're conceding 47 points a game on average. I mean, that was for those those last four games. But they bring in Kendall Bryles. I think this is a big part of it. They bring in Kendall Bryles over from Houston. He's a fantastic play caller and has been since his days over at Baylor. Uh, there is some question marks around whether they have got a 
playbook or not or how simplistic it is and that it's real gimmicky and all those sorts of things. But they got Tamarian Terry on the outside. He's a fantastic wide receiver. You got Cam Akers, that offensive line, which got absolutely demoralized last year, has been reshuffled and they look to be a little bit stronger up front. They lose Brian Burns defensively, but they return eight starters. Marvin Wilson on the nose looks to be a really, really good one for them at defensive tackle. And apart from that, outside of probably Clemson, Miami, Syracuse, and Florida, they go into every game as heavy favorites. And then the Miami-Syracuse games are, they probably go into favorites, but it's more of a, a coin toss for those two. Uh and I know Willie Taggart, not that I'm a Willie Taggart believer in any way, shape, or form, but he said the pl- the buy-in for the players wasn't there last year. And maybe an extra an extra summer, extra lifting program, extra work has got them to a stage where that buy-in is there. It, and that alone could easily add to, you know, two wins. I think seven easily, and they'll get to That's a That's not what I'm looking for, seven. Well, I think I'll, they'll get to seven easily, but I think I actually their, their ceiling the is more like from ten. five to ten. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they could get up to double-digit wins. Okay. I mean, It wouldn't surprise me if they got to seven. They're going to a bowl game. Yeah, I fully expect that. I don't think they can be as bad as they were last year. No. I would be surprised at least. I, I don't see them hitting that 10, but I do agree with you that the talent is certainly there. It's just that, that a lot of things have to change. Well, to be team. real, I don't see any team this year that didn't win, that didn't get to 10 wins, winning 10 games this year. I just... Okay. I honestly don't think that happens. It's, I don't know yeah, what... The, there would be numbers around this. I mean, Syracuse yeah, yeah. wouldn't have done it the year before and Correct. then they've done it. So it, it certainly happens and yeah, that's what we're sure. trying to achieve I mean, here, yeah. predicting that. Yeah, good. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you sarcastic prick. What's the next one then? Let's well, go. So, we're going off a cliff now. So who, who are the ones that are really going backwards? Yep. And I tell you that this happens too. There are teams that have double <laughs> digits and, and go backwards. So uh, I mentioned Syracuse. I think they're going to have difficulties repeating what they did. Same with Washington State. Okay. I still think they're decent teams. I'll I get just, to a bowl game. Yeah, so I, I think they will, but they're not going to have as much success as they did last year. Uh, the main one for me, though, is Kentucky. Uh, I'm, I'm most concerned around them purely because they're only bringing eight starters back. And they lost Benny Snell, who was their offense, and Josh Allen, who was their defense. And, and those two are going to be really good players on Sunday. So both of them gone really Selling hurts. it a bit short to that Kentucky defense, which was really, really good. Yeah, I, maybe I am. But he, he was a stud, and they've lost almost everyone. So they're going to be pushing, pushing it uphill. Uh, the other ones, I think, unfortunately, UAB after... Blazers. After winning the conference, I could see massive regression from them. They just have a, a whole heap of turnover. And also Buffalo. Uh, they, they lost a couple of really important players for them, so I think they're going to take a big step back. Gee, that's a lot of group of five football you're discussing here. Done today, a lot so, of research. So well done. Uh, I think those teams that go off a cliff, a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, Pitt got to the ACC championship game. I think they go backwards hard. NC State had a really, really good year. I think they go backwards. Duke, Georgia Tech. Sounds like the ACC. Just the ACC. Is is the going ACC. Backwards. Uh, Kentucky, like you mentioned. Vandy, I think, go backwards. West Virginia could slide hard. And the other one would be Notre Dame. No one's really talking about how much they've got to replace defensively. Uh, and that they're going to rely on Ian Book and that offense without Dexter Williams to be able to really 
score a lot of points because that defense isn't going to be as good. And Notre Dame, as they always say, have got a really tough schedule. So it'll be interesting to see if they can hold on for and go kind of, you know, nine and three, if they can get to that sort of point. But for me, the team, and I hate to keep it in the ACC because it's been ACC heavy at the moment, but I see it as Virginia. Virginia, yeah, they went eight and five, but it was a diabolical ACC and even worse coastal last year. But there's a lot of noise coming out for the Who's this year, and I'm not really sure why. They're sort of talking like Bronco Mendenhall is going to get them to the ACC uh, championship game, but they are going to have to replace Alomide Zacchaeus and Jordan Ellis, who was responsible for nearly half of their offense last year. Uh, and, and there's this kind of misconception that Virginia had a really, really good offense, but that's just not the case. They were 69th in points per game and 89th in yards per game, depending on what metric you sort of want to have a look at. This isn't elite, though. That's in the, the bottom half of college football. They still have Bryce Perkins and Hasis Dubois on the outside with Joe Reed, but those two guys are going to have to do so, so much work alone uh, and then rely on a really, really good defense. And Bronco Mendenhall has got a really good defense and his, his special teams is good, but they still need to replace once uh, Thornhill at safety who went in the second round and Chris Pierce at linebacker. So outside of games against Liberty, Old Dominion, Will, Will and Mary, and then Georgia Tech, to me, the other games are a toss-up or you know they've got to go to Louisville. Now, Louisville aren't great, but they'll be better. Uh, UNC will be better. I just don't see a way that Virginia goes and wins the Coastal, and I could see them even bottoming out hard. So not making a bowl game? I could see them not making a bowl game. Okay. Um, having said that, a lot of the other teams I said aren't going to go real well either, and that's Pitt and Duke. Obviously, Georgia Tech are going to be a mess early. They, all, they can't all lose when they play each well, other. Well, exactly, I know. So someone's going to have to win those games. I just I know who it's going to be too. Virginia Tech? Absolutely. Well, I mean, Virginia Tech will definitely beat Virginia because they can't win the Commonwealth Cup yeah exactly alright that looks at some teams that are set to probably take off this year or maybe regress so hold on to your hold on to your seats if you are fans from the groups that we have just mentioned okay we are getting to a point now where I know this is one of the big ones for the year. I know how much you love holding me accountable to my bold predictions and the fact that I jagged one last year, a very soft one. I know it wasn't overly bold, but we've got three to get us through the season and hopefully I come out on top again. Yeah, so for those of you who are listening in first time this year, this was a segment that we carried over last year where we have bold predictions. So we, we're going to make three up front at the start of the year that are season-long predictions, and these are things that we're expecting to happen across the year. Uh, and then every week we'll also make a prediction that is kind of a bit left field, bit out there, something we could see happening but is probably unlikely, uh, and then gloat when it comes in. Which or, happened what, once last year or something. Or just kind of ignore it when it doesn't. Yeah. So they, these are our picks here. They're, they're a bit... They, they kind of vary in uh, their level of outlandishness, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure where you've gone with yours this year, mate, but let's throw them out there. We'll, we'll see how we go, and hopefully we can back ourselves as Notre Dameses here. Okay, and we might, we're probably going to hit on the same sorts of things here, potentially. We haven't actually had a chat about this, which is probably something we should have done. Anyway, uh, I nearly made this bold prediction that Clay Helton doesn't get fired. Okay. 
but I didn't. I'm going to say that he does get the arse. Uh, I don't think that USC will go and make the Pac-12 championship game. That was going to be another one. So I think Clay Helton gets fired. Uh, His seat will get scorching after losses to Stanford, Utah, Washington, and Notre Dame. So I think he gets axed. This doesn't seem super bold at the moment. I feel like you need to tell me in season, out at the end of the season. No, no, no. Hold on. Okay. You're interrupting me. Yeah, interrupting me. I'm just so if you have a if you have a look at the schedule, they open with those teams. Okay, because every everyone sitting at home is thinking, this ain't doing it for me. This ain't bold. Fuck me. This is hard work. I swear to God, I lead this team on a weekly basis and this is what I put up with anyway he gets the chop during the bye week before Notre Dame so I'm assuming that Graham Harrell's offense doesn't quite take off and they lose big early and then Clay Helton will be gone before USC so what before sorry before Notre Dame Notre Dame okay so any time before Notre Dame if he's fired you've jagged that one correct I like that I thought you were just going to say gets fired. I'm like, I think that's odds on. <laughs> yeah, nothing not bold not. about that. Not particularly bold. All right. All right I'm going to start with one that uh, I've kind of been banging on a bit about here. Not super bold. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech are going to win the Coastal. Oh, my God. That is my this bold This is prediction. hard to listen to. They're going to get crushed by Clemson in the ACC <laughs> Championship game, yeah. but they are going to win the Coastal Division, and I'm going to bang that drum all year. Oh, God. Like, when, do, when do Miami play... Well, we'll keep a close eye on that, obviously. When do Miami play, Virginia Tech will be an interesting one. Absolutely. Uh, okay, well, I will jump straight in then to my second bowl prediction, yep. which is staying in the ACC. I feel like this has been a very ACC-centric show, but Clemson goes undefeated and wins their second straight championship. Okay. I think that's pretty bold. Yeah, uh, running the table two straight years. Yeah, just I don't doesn't know if happen. that's happened no, in the know. modern I era. I wouldn't I, have thought. I don't. I can't imagine it. But uh, yeah, that is a bold prediction for the Tigers. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a bit lame, but it's unlikely to happen. So I'll give you that. Uh, I'm going to throw one at you now. Yours want to be good. Yours would want to be good. Uh, Stanford, preseason ranked at the minute. Yeah. The 23, I think. Don't care, but yeah. They uh, haven't missed a bowl game since 2008. Every year that David Shaw has been there, they've comfortably made it into a bowl game. This year, they're not going to get go bowling. <laughs> they're going to win less than six games. Uh, okay. Uh, have you got the Clemson schedule up in front of you? That won't help, uh, sorry, me. That won't help me for the Stanford games. Not Clemson, Stanford. I do not have it in front of me, but it is a, it is a relatively difficult schedule this year. Uh, I had a look at that. I thought, man, there's a lot of games that they could drop in there. I don't feel great about the team. I'm not a huge KJ Costello fan. I, I mean, he's getting big raps from an NFL. He is. He's, pro- he's, big, he's a big. He's a big lad. Six yeah, six. He's a big. He is a big. He's got that prototypical size, but I haven't seen it with him. He doesn't do a lot for me. I think they struggle this year, and more so than you know, in a long, long time, they're gonna miss out on a bowl game. How yeah. you like that for bold? I mean, it is it is bold. I just don't see it happening. The, the way that the Pac-12 is and the way that they play. I mean, so you're saying they don't win six. I'm going to find six wins for you. Uh, Northwestern? Northwestern. I'll drop that. Yeah, I could see that as a drop. At USC. Well, they've had the wood over USC recently. So uh, if Clay Helton's getting fired, I'm going to call that a Stanford win. <laughs> uh, at UCF, uh, that's a coin flip probably but I'll I'll say that one 
Uh, Oregon is a loss. Oregon State's a win. That's three. Washington a loss. UCLA is probably a win at home. Uh, Arizona at home before a bye week. It feels a bit trappy, but uh, I would say that that's possibly a win. If not, Colorado is definitely a win. Ooh, and then it gets tough. Washington State, Cows probably a win. They're going to win one of Arizona, Cow, UCLA, or they'll win two of those, and I think that's enough. I don't see it happening. Okay, yeah, but I mean... I mean, it's bold. It's bold. Exactly that's what, that's right. That's what we're here for. It is bold. They are a good team. They've historically been a good team. David Shaw is a very good football coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not. I just think that the way things are lining up this year, the with the production that they lost with Bryce Love... I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them have a big step back. Production they lost with Bryce Love from last year? Because that well, wasn't yeah, that productive. Yeah, that's true. That was mediocre. That was like a Elizabeth well, was Holden factory. Like It was just hurt. wasn't really doing that much. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. What's your last one? This better be good. My third bold prediction. Oregon, Nebraska when they get in. Michigan, Washington, Iowa, TCU when they get in. Never leave the top 25 this year. Okay. Wow. Never leave the 25. So once they're in, they stay. This so, is going to be a fun one to track. It so ain't happening, is, but so I like this. So this is Oregon, Nebraska, Michigan, Washington, Iowa, TCU. Okay. And there's a few down the bottom there. TCU aren't in. Nebraska don't start in. Iowa uh, are kind of in the 20s to start the season. Look, if I'll even pay this if they don't make it in and then don't get bounced because <laughs> one of these teams is going to make it in and then get bounced you're okay but I like it I like it we'll, we'll have some fun tracking that one yeah uh, my last one you're not going to like this I've hedged a bit here <laughs> oh god this is a coastal uh, thing, isn't it? no it's, it's, yeah, it's not like, a coastal thing but oh, I have hedged Miami will win the ACC coastal. Uh, I, no I've, I've hedged it to, so <laughs> the winner of round one matchup week one matchup Cincinnati and UCLA the winner of that match is going to go on to a New Year's Six Bowl. <laughs> I was going to back Cincinnati in, but I'm nervous at this first hurdle. So if they drop there, I still want something to cheer on in week two. And then I'll be all Bruins. Uh, wow, okay. So the winner of Cincinnati and UCLA, I'm, I'm really big on Cincinnati this year if, if you're catching that. Well, you must listeners. be big on UCLA as well. Well, if they can beat Cincinnati, then they've got it. They've really turned it around, and I'm all aboard the Chip Kelly train. Okay, so let's have a look at the UCLA schedule. It's pretty tough. Uh, Cincinnati, San Diego State, they play Oklahoma, not the worst at Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma. No, that's at home in the Rose Bowl. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Washington State. At, then it's Pac-12. At yeah. Washington State at Arizona. Yeah, but you've probably got to get how many wins to go to a Rose Bowl. A lot. Yeah. Most of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're probably not... Well, they're going to drop one of at Washington State or at Arizona. I wouldn't be writing that off. If they can beat Cincinnati, this is a special team they've got. I'm throwing eggs in the Cincinnati basket here, but if I've, if I've miscalculated this one terribly and James Smith isn't smashing them out the... He hopefully he's not punting line. at all, is what you're hoping no, for. No, no, no. They're going to win on the back of safeties forced from punts. Jesus. He keeps putting it out at the one, and they keep scoring two. Let's hear a prediction on that one, shall we? So, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with that one. So, I've okay, got my recap. three there. You've got those. All right, you go. Okay. So, mine is Clay Helton is done the bye week before Notre Dame. 
Uh, number two, Clemson goes undefeated and wins their second straight championship. And number three, Oregon, Nebraska, Michigan, Washington, Iowa, TCU, when they get in, never leave the top 25. Uh, and I have Virginia Tech to win the ACC Coastal, the most interesting division <laughs> in all of college football. I have Stanford to struggle and not make a bowl game this year. And I also have Cincinnati or UCLA going to a New Year's Six bowl game. Okay. Like those creepy eyes you're giving me as you're saying that is just it's, intoxicating. It's definitely <laughs> happening. Okay. It's happening. None of those are happening. Okay. That actually brings us to the end, believe it or not, of uh, the season launch for College Football Down Under and season 2019. We, we're going to go over the conference winners. Oh, are we? Yeah, I mean, we can, we can't, we can, I we mean, can we, save this for no, no, no. Let's let's push our week on, zero preview. I no, mean, we are burning time here. No, We're, let, let's push on. Let's get it done now. It's a season preview. The fans love it. They, I, you know, I was trying to wrap this up, trying to get off the clock here, but let's just let's just roll through. Let's get through it quickly. Okay, I've got all of my winners of all of the conferences here, so okay. we'll we'll fire through. Let's start group of five, the American. I'm going Cincinnati. You could probably pick up on that. I think the favorites are Memphis and UCF. I like Cincinnati. USF, I have South Florida as a bit of a roughie. Okay, I'm going UCF. Okay. Uh, Conference USA, it's absolutely wide open. I'll take FAU, Florida Atlantic. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I think they're a good opportunity to turn things around this year. The other teams that are going to be around the mark are Marshall and North Texas. Uh, North Texas do lose their offensive coordinator, but I'm going to say that high-powered offense will get the job done. Okay. North Texas for you. North uh, Texas. In the MAC, I like uh, Western Michigan at odds. They're, they're kind of a bit out there. Okay. Uh, but I, I'll back them in. I think they're going to be a solid side this year. Uh, and Ohio and Toledo are probably going to be the main challenges for them. Okay. I'm going to go with Buffalo. Ooh, Just okay. a real roughy. Yeah, like that. I think they're going to go backwards, but I like where you're at. Uh, the Mountain West, I have Boise as the class there, and I'll back that in all day. Yep, tick. Uh, Fresno and San Diego State are going to be around the mark. Uh, the one that I'll be rooting for is Hawaii, obviously. Of course, of course all the Australian boys there. I think they're going to be good this year, I'm too. Yeah, they should, absolutely. They'll give it a shake. Absolutely. Uh, Sunbelt, I like uh, App State, seem like the smart play. They, they are a good football team continually, but... Personally, I really yeah. like the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Okay. Uh, yeah, I will agree with you on... I don't know about the Raging Cajuns. Okay, so you're not agreeing with me on that? You're going upstate? I'm going upstate. Okay, that's cool. That's that's the smart play. I like Eli Drinkwitz. I think he's a good coach. All right, let's get into some Power 5 action. ACC is Clemson. You're correct. Uh, I think they're obviously the class there. I think... Uh, no, it's correct. That's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> Like, You're right. Uh, but in the group, uh, Clemson, Florida State, and Miami are the only teams that can probably challenge for a national championship. So if the wheels were to fall off at Clemson, Trevor Lawrence gets hurt, something happens there. Florida State and Miami technically have the talent to compete at that level, I think. Uh, and that's that's where it is for me. But Virginia Tech? Well, <laughs> Virginia Tech are going to win the Coastal. <laughs> okay. Clemson are going to win the ACC. Okay, right. But if things do go a little wonky, and it is college football, I think that Florida State and Miami, from a talent standpoint, are the ones that stack up. Okay. Uh, the Big 12, I have Oklahoma winning. 
Uh, I can't remember who I said originally. I think you had in, Texas. I did have Texas. Texas yep. and Oklahoma. I, I will take Texas. I mean, Oklahoma appear to be the more talented team according to rankings and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Their, their skill position is really strong. Yeah, but I'm going to take Texas. I think Sam Ellinger is going to be the guy to get them across the line just through sheer will more than anything. Okay, and you got a roughie in the Big 12? Oklahoma State. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> I, I actually, agree. I do think Oklahoma State will have a bounce back year. I think TCU have a bounce back year. So if there was to be something out of the ordinary, out of the you know the teams from the Red River shootout, I think it is Oklahoma State. I like that. Or uh, TCU. I like that less. Uh, Big 10, <laughs> who are you picking? Uh, I mean, it's hard pressed to go past a high state, but I'm going to say Michigan get them this year. So probably the Wolverines. Uh, and I still think Wisconsin just in a wide open Big Ten West. So I'm going to take uh, Michigan. Okay, I'm with you. I'm taking Michigan. I think Ohio State are as good as them. I just think that this year the game being played in Michigan certainly helps. So I think this is the year that they're able to get it done. Uh, Penn State are certainly around the mark as well. I wouldn't write them off. And then over on the other side, I have Nebraska as the team, but not a whole heap of confidence. And I have them yeah. a significant level lower than Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. I would agree. In the Pac-12, I have Oregon winning it over Utah. I think those two are the best two teams. But I do think that USC and Washington are the sides with the talent that could certainly explode and really have national relevance if things go if their way. Clay Helton doesn't get fired the before the bye week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> during the bye week. During the bye week. Uh, yeah, I don't see it from USC. I think Washington, Oregon are the class in the north. Utah in the south. I reckon Oregon. We talked to Oregon in our Pac-12 preview show. So I will go Oregon. Uh, but it'll be tight. That'll be that should be is shaping up to be a really good Pac-12 championship game. We're just calling it really early here, but yeah, absolutely. All right, let's finish things off. The SEC. I'm taking chalk here. Uh, I think we see Bama over Georgia again. I think it's those two teams. I think Alabama's too good. It's I, I struggled to bring up an argument to that it won't be that. Uh, but in terms of teams that could challenge LSU, don't do it. LSU, Auburn, and Florida. Florida is so overrated. Uh, and I think LSU is slightly overrated. I, I think there's a there's a class above, and that is Alabama uh, and Georgia as well. But I'm yet to see Georgia get over the hurdle. And again, we talked about that in the preview show, is do they have the ability to get that monkey off the back? Because it, that is a hard thing to do. That is a psychological barrier for them. And uh, but that is the way it appears to be shaping up again. So who have you got winning? Alabama? Alabama over Georgia. Okay. There you go. So there is all of our conference winners. Uh, you've made your bold prediction that Clemson is going to win it all. Uh, I mean, that just seems so boring. Oh, I don't disagree. I'd love to see Anyone Iowa, else? Iowa State. <laughs> I'd love to see a top four of Iowa State, you know, uh, Utah. Utah would be fantastic in there. Uh, Syracuse. And Nebraska. And the, yeah, exactly. That would be wonderful. <laughs> that would be. I mean, and. You just, heard it here first. Exactly. I mean, I would love for some real turmoil. I don't think it happened last year. It wasn't. I remember the, the previous years, it was chaotic at times. It got frantic. And yeah, we had the Purdue Ohio State game, but there wasn't that big 
kind of chaos moment that I was hoping for. And I really want to see that this year. That is what I'm after. I'm after an entertaining season from start to finish. Uh, I don't just want to head towards Clemson, Alabama, seven or whatever we're counting up to at the moment yeah no i'm with you all right that's it we've done it kept it under 80 minutes that is it a a longer show tonight but hopefully you do enjoy it uh you know that is season launch 2019 we are under seven days away from the first kickoff is that right i mean if you've got any friends out there who are trying to get into the game just tell them this is the episode to listen to. Once you've gone through this, you know the ins and outs. You know who's going to win. You know Virginia Tech's got the coastal on lock. <laughs> Clay Helton's fired. Clay Helton's fired. This is it. So we're, we're really pumped now. We are at the point that uh, it, it's happening. We have zero more weekends until college football. Yeah, we will have another show later in the week uh, previewing particularly that week zero game and and tidying up a few other bits and pieces uh, as we get the college football season underway. If you do feel like you want to hit us up, ask us questions, uh, get your friends on board, you can do that at Twitter or on Instagram at CFB Down Under. We will be more than happy to entertain your comments, questions or three-star reviews. Yeah, none of that three-star review bullshit. Uh, the other thing I will say too, if anyone out there is looking for a stream of a game, just hit us up. We will be up watching these games and we will find you access to a game that you're looking for. So let us know. Uh, Legally, of course. Absolutely. Just get in contact with us and we'll let you know how you can watch your favorite team play. Okay, I am exhausted. We have covered a lot of real estate tonight. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it and we'll be seeing you shortly as we are just a few ticks away from season 2019. My name is Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time. it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game.